0: Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. I am beyond honored to have Dita Vontice across from me in the same time zone, um, which is wonderful. We didn't have to do math. And I have known your name for many years, and it pops up now and then. And then with the opening of your show at the Jubilee Theater, Mm -hmm. it was such a big deal. And so i had been following this a little bit. And then I saw that you commented or liked one of my posts on Instagram about Bob Mackey. And I went, I finally got Bob Mackey. Dina Tees likes my podcast. So I was like, of course, I reached out to see if you do an interview. And I know you've been crazy busy with the show and so we finally had a little bit of time to sit down and even just in our pre-record I'm like I am so excited for this interview because the heart behind the performer is what the podcasts are about it's not just history it's really like who are these people that are making changes in the arts or you know we are part of things like we talked a lot about vintage before we recorded like the things that mattered that are i want to go here pretty soon like the that are being misrepresented or people don't know like we, I was sharing with you how we as showgirls, we're always saying, well, we're not strippers. We're not this. And then it sounds like we're putting down those other art forms to say we're not that. Right. But to claim what a showgirl is doesn't even connect with in the showgirl world because some people will go back to the early days where showgirls were mannequins. They didn't dance. right? And right. then there were the showgirls that danced more. And I was a tall nude and we danced as much, I think, as the cover dancers. Mm-hmm. But I would never say I was a showgirl because I thought people thought I wasn't a dancer. So we were always justifying the word. And then when I went to uh, the Lido in Paris for the closing, I talked to this younger generation of dancers who proudly call themselves showgirls. Mm-hmm. And they, because they know what it is and they're no longer trying to say what it isn't. And like, well, how do we say positively what it is instead of poo-pooing something else that is also wonderful. Yeah. And so I loved, I want to get to that too of, actually, let's start with that. Okay. of How you would define that and even why you started listening to the podcast because I feel like, We should claim those names with pride and not feel like we always have to apologize for the beautiful things that we are doing and creating. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot to say. Well, first, I'll say I, you know, I was a huge fan of Jubilee. I saw the show every time I came to Vegas. I was there for the closing weekend. Like I have a major reverence for that place and for showgirls and what they, what they do. Did (laughs) you know it's. And I, you know, I, I understand what you're saying, Mike, about the terms, um, because certainly like as a burlesque performer, I, you know, get a lot like, oh, it's just stripping. She's just a stripper, which I, I actually embrace the word stripper because it's a 1930s term that was, you know, Gypsy Rosalie used it. So I get a little bit like stripper whatever. And I kind of downplay what I do, you know, sorry, cats that need <laughs> time. Um so I get the thing about the term and I but I also am very I'm a historian of burlesque um I you know know a little bit about showgirls a lot more since I went into Jubilee because I've listened to your podcast I started you know I have a vast library of books about burlesque and vaudeville and the history of the showgirl before you know and touched on Vegas but I took a deep dive and ordered even more books I've been reading the Miss Bluebell book um Mm -hmm. which is pretty interesting and the, you know obviously all of this has been an evolution and so you know the the term showgirl was you know invented a long time ago certainly but I think there's you know when I think of showgirls now I think of the Vegas showgirl and the Parisian showgirl and certainly have like a high uh regard for the uh, abilities of those dancers but then also like how do you cross the lines when you talk about you know I spent a lot of time I was the first guest star in the history of the crazy horse in Paris. And, you know, there's girls that worked at, you know, in Latin or worked in Lido, you know, that were on the shorter side. So there's a lot of like crossover. And so what do you call them? Because certainly that's not showgirling in, in crazy horse, but it's fabulous. And their, their dance talents are enormous too. So I, I think it's with the terms, it can be difficult, but I, I'm just, you know, I, I understand what the show girl is. I, you know, yeah, I, 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 it was, it's, I can understand that it is probably, uh, difficult for, I know that there's been a little bit of controversy uh, surrounding me being in the Jubilee theater and utilizing the costumes from Jubilee. Um, because, you know, and I had, like you know, a little bit of, one or two people DMing me or saying things. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to listen to that because I'm not going to like tell myself I'm not, I haven't deserved this moment. You know, I've been touring Mm -hmm. all over the world and performing on big stages. And I believe in diversity and inclusion. And I, you know, wanted to create a show that reflects obviously what I do. Um, and what I believe in. Hey, would I have loved if somebody had come to me before Jubilee closed and said, Hey, Dee Davantes, maybe you can speak to this and curate it and like direct it. Cause I could have, you know, like, mm-hmm. I could, you know, it's um, I would have loved that. And I remember thinking that on one of my last things was like, Oh, if they could just get the right, like, Redo of this, it could be so wonderful to have this vintage, um, you know, classic showgirl survive in Las Vegas still. But you know, that didn't happen, and it, things worked out the way they did. And, um, I'm really, I'm really proud of the show that we have, and we've had a lot of Jubilee, um, showgirls come and see the show. Uh, and, um, I, I think they liked it. I mean, you probably know better than I do, but it's been meant a lot to me. I've been, you know, every night when I have uh, my ex, my guest seats, I'm like, who who wants to come from Jubilee? It means a lot to me. You know, I want, I really, I don't take it lightly what the opportunity that I have there. I don't at all.
0: Mm. I'm going to come back to all that too cuz I want to go I know, backwards I'm to, No 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 but this is the meat of what it is and I and I had seen some of those comments so I'm like no but um you, I also I get it I would probably be if
1: somebody were coming along in Vegas making a big burlesque show which they do <laughs> I yes. probably would have been like oh really that person is like what do they know about
0: burlesque you know Yeah so, absolutely but I did send you, I would copy some of the comments that were really positive and send them to you because I go, I wanted you to hear the positive from the people okay, I that like saw this I like the, show. the positive. And there was a lot of it. And I think a lot of people right off the bat were so, I mean, I've talked to some of the dancers in Paris that are going to make a trip over to Vegas to see the show because yeah. they know who you are and they know about Jubilee and they're like, yes. And for like those costumes are resurrected. That theater is resurrected. It's this gift. And so... Yeah. So some of the negative ones are going to be there. And it's interesting, even when I've interviewed some of the dancers who are in their eighties, when they talk about like how it didn't, it changed, you know, they were in their eighties. So they did it in the sixties. I did it in the eighties and it changed. And I'm like, I love that it changed because I love vintage, but also things evolve in the arts. And if they don't, they're going to die. And I think every generation struggled. And I know people, some of the bluebells had a harder time with the last show at the Lido, which I loved, and I don't know how many were in agreement with me, but I also have a dance studio in Seattle where everything is, you know, you honor what's come before you and you get to move it forward. But it's a tricky thing, you know, like even when we had the whole controversy, if if you're white, can you call it hip hop? And like, who's allowed to call it that and say that? And we had to have these really honest conversations Mm -hmm. and nobody was in agreement about anything. You know, like it should always stay this way to be pure. I'm like, no, it has to move forward. That is a a nod and a beautiful acknowledgement of, of what you created and you're giving, you're taking it forward without not claiming where it came from. So I think that it gets tricky, but that's where I want to do this interview because I like, I want to hear from you yeah. who I know you are like honoring the show girl history and you're bringing something new and fresh and also addressing, like I know talented, wonderful dancers. I'm five, nine, five, eight was a minimum. So what about my beautiful five, seven dancers? who have all the qualities to be a showgirl, but by one inch, they're excluded. Yeah, right, right, And there were shows that did that. So is that less of a showgirl just because it's not the biggest shows with the tallest yeah. girl. So I feel like that's a little unfair too.
1: Yeah. I don't like, I, I just don't like all the body parameter things. I think it's not, it's a little bit, one of those things that could, you know, maybe it could go <laughs> and, um, Yeah. Like even like with crazy horse, they always had like, there were rules. Like I was too short for crazy horse and I was, or like, you can't have fake boobs if you're at the crazy horse. Or I was told once I couldn't be in a big burlesque show in LA because I had fake boobs. And I was like, what? Like, (laughs) I And so I like, you know, having the opportunity to kind of like prove that it's not, you shouldn't be held back by what your body is. You know, I don't, I just don't, I don't like the body shaming kind of thing in any form Mm -hmm. or age shaming either like hey i mean i'm pretty jazzed about having the biggest show of my life at age 51 open in vegas and to be filling seats like i'm pretty stoked that i get to be a 51 year old um burlesque dancer that never would have happened in the 1930s or 40s or 50s and you know um and one of the one of the things that I kept saying, I was like, oh God, I'd love to have like one of the Jubilee girls or guys um, that's advanced in age in my show. Like I wanna show like that this is like not um, you know, I don't want it to be the old way like listen and but also mm. I, I love it you know I love that I can still go to Moulin Rouge and see like their, the that and I love that Crazy Horse like there is something wonderful about the curtains opening and those girls all look exactly the same and they're the same height and they're all beautiful in the face there is something really fun about seeing that and I love that there are places like that still mm. but it's not what I do it's not what I do I I like when people's heartstrings are um, attached to something they see and they're watching a show where they say like, Oh, she has a body kind of like me.
0: I could do that.
1: Oh, you just hit on something really good. It it means (laughs) something to me. And I think that that's, that's, it means something to me when I hear that from people, and there's always been, you know, for for the last twenty three years when I've, I've been writing my books, I realized a long time ago one of the reasons I'm still doing this is because there's something behind the striptease and the pinup and all of that. There's like, it, it, for any, you know, I've written a couple of different books, and um, you know, they are about empowering people and t- telling my story about how I started doing this in the first place. Because, um, you know,
0: it's, I think that other people need to hear it, you know? Um, Well, let's talk about that. Like, uh, well, first I want to know what kind of kid you were. What were you like as a little girl? Did you dance or want to perform? Or a lot of us were lured in by the costumes and some people had no idea this could be something in their future. So I'm just curious what you were like as a child. Um I was super shy, but I grew up in a
1: small town with 2,000 people. And um sometimes there was a ballet studio there. <laughs> and sometimes I read like in an interview, it's like, she comes from ballet. And I'm like, no, I come from like a little rinky-dink ballet class in, you know, in a tiny little town. Okay. I did not go to some, any fancy ballet schools. And further to that, when I kept dancing as you know, between the ages of 10 and 19, I used to clean bathrooms in exchange for ballet classes. So I don't come, I don't come from ballet. <laughs> I um, just always loved it. And it's, what's interesting is, um, and it's the only kind of dance I ever did. Like I was that girl that like loved all of the, the pink tights, the black leotard, the hair net, you know, like very, there was no tap class or jazz class or contemporary <laughs> I didn't want anything to do with it. I just loved ballet. And um, when I was little, I remember I got this, this like Tychowski record and it was from the fifties, a vinyl record. And it had uh, a ballerina with fishnet tights, a blue tutu. She had the point shoes, the, you know, the swan makeup. And I was so obsessed with that. And it was interesting because later on someone asked me, what was something i always want like a childhood dream that i never managed to achieve and i said well i wanted to be a ballerina but i wasn't good enough i just was never good enough you know <laughs> and i just you know it was always the little flower in the back um like even in high school in ballet so um i just was and they, and then they said well what was it that you loved about it and i said oh it's just like you know, I started talking about the costuming and the point shoes and the shiny satin of the point shoes and all of these things and the makeup and the, you know, the whole thing of the red velvet curtains. And then that person said, Hey, don't you think you got everything you asked the universe for <laughs> in a very different way? And I was like, yeah, like, and they said, I never once heard you say, I loved to dance. And I was like, well, holy shit. You're right. I never once said I love to dance. Like I, you know how people will say like, I feel free when I'm on stage, when I'm dancing, never said that. And I went, yeah, that's totally true. I love performance and I love like the exquisite and rare and things that you're like, what is that? Like I, yeah. I used to go visit my friends who, she was a showgirl and a ballerina. My friend's mom and she was amazing. She had like, first I have to say, she always had like the blue eyeshadow and the cat eye. I mean, every <laughs> life, the big bouffant hairdo left over from the '60s, and like she had this this um suitcase filled with point shoes and showgirl shoes. And I used to just dig in there, and I was like. Oh. So I have these like childhood obsessions that definitely carried over and there's a lot of point. I tried to make my whole um D De- to De- De- Las Vegas show like girls on in point shoes strip teasing and there's a lot of that but <laughs> I've always my my first burlesque shows in the 90s were always done on point. I thought oh, I, I want to be like a strip teasing ballerina. So um yeah, I just have like these childhood
0: obsessions that have never left me Mm. I've asked this question because I've actually reconsidered it for myself because a lot of people say that they have an alter ego on stage Yes, but then Uh when I remember but being younger loving the lights on me and I love the sparkles and I and I was a shy girl ballet brought me out of it but I don't I think that was a real me that wanted to be in the light but you were told that's conceited or don't look for too much attention or girls should have more Mm. voice or more power and I realize a lot of us when we got on stage we got to live that dream as a child yeah I go I don't think that was my alter ego that was the me that never got to come forward and then when you get to be told come front and center I don't I don't think I was putting on a different persona I think that was the me that fell in love with it and I don't know if that's if you relate to that at all or if it is like an alter ego when you get on stage
1: I don't have that alter ego. I, you know, I think certainly like my shyness was overcome by a lot of things that I did in my adult life. Um, and I felt like I even, when it comes to dressing in vintage and wearing red lipstick and dyeing my hair from blonde to black, like all of these things were kind of like to counteract my shyness. Mm -hmm. Um, and being on stage though. Um, so I was doing like the crazy horse in Paris. I was at first guest star it was hard <laughs> first like a lot of those girls were kind of like who's this bitch coming in here i just have to say like it was not always easy and then um because they knew you know i was shorter i didn't have the kind of dance talent they had i was just doing like my bathtub act on the stage and um i'm kind of like uh, skewing off a little bit but the opening night the curtains opened and like it was that dusty place became vibrant with all these these like famous people and they were cheering for the girls where it was like it before that it was kind of like a lot of tourists and such and um they uh afterwards like the girls started coming to me asking like how i would like convey like what was what was i doing with my eyes how did i did connect with people and it was really amazing because uh, you know I was learning from them but they were asking me about like the warmth and the kind of like connection with people it was really like an amazing experience to be there um and now I don't remember what I was first what what was first talking about that was leading to that about the crazy (laughs)
0: oh it was just about the alter ego thing if maybe yes, that was I'll, in there oh, or that little girl that uh, loved it mm-hmm. like not just the point shoes but the shine yeah. and the satin and the- yes
1: while i was at the crazy horse i was working with ali madavi and also um he was like you know one of the things that is great about watching you is you see heather sweet from the farming town in michigan like i let i i am myself like i the glamour is there and the like you know living it out but you still get the feeling about the you see Heather Sweet in Michigan wearing the feathers and rhinestones and being like on stage in Paris you know and then another I'm friends with Paulo Coelho the writer of the alchemist and he said something similar about that and he's like it's like when you if you if you try to be this glamorous persona like certainly I could have created a T's character and spoke decided I would speak so glamorously. I could have done all that and I've seen people do that. They've done it to me and I'm just like, okay, <laughs> are you done yet? <laughs> but I don't need I feel like I understood that being myself uh, on stage and letting people see me combined with what I created, um, which is like an exterior you know for like again for people who don't know me it's like I'm a I'm a dishwater blonde from a farming town in Michigan and I can tell you when I don't when for Halloween sometimes I you know do my nails beige and wear beige lipstick and a little mascara and like a blonde or brown wig and I go completely unrecognized and even pitied <laughs> <You know? laughs> Like I, I'm like a, so self, I'm self-created and it's like, that's a huge part of what I do. um, And what I believe in is like, I was obsessed with this Hollywood makeover, you know, like Rita Hayworth. Did anybody ever see pictures of Rita Hayworth before she was Rita Hayworth? Mm, you know, like these Hollywood makeovers I love, like Norma Jean com- becomes Marilyn Monroe. And I just always, like, I, I loved 1930s and 40s film and 50s and musicals, especially. And I wanted to give myself that kind of Hollywood makeover. So that's like something I did. That's what I did in the 90s was like, I'm going to be like that. I'm going to wear red lipstick. I'm going to curl my hair. I'm going to, you know, wear these clothes uh, and give myself this like everyday glamour in life. And, you know, that's that's a big part of my entire Existence is finding my confidence um, by engaging in the theater of fashion and beauty and glamour,
0: and you know, ha- and creating it for myself. I love that you said that you were you self-created because I feel like a lot of times women are created by yeah others or the male age. You know, there's something like this is what you will be. You'll do this. Like I've I've read so many biographies, especially from that time of actresses like you have to dye your hair or women of color that were made to be more dark so they could portray every person of color and they became something they weren't and I love the empowering part of yours Mm -hmm. is you chose that and it was something that you loved it wasn't like here's what I need to be to be a certain thing so I'm curious when burlesque even showed up in your life of there was there an allure or how were you exposed to it or
1: well so in the early 90s um well first it's kind of like i'll try to tell the short version of it like in the early 90s i graduated from high school um a friend i I went to my first rave party i met all these like club kids and drag queens and i was like oh wow wow um i was already kind of like wearing red lipstick and wearing my hair like in a you know blonde beehive kind of thing but then i really like got involved in this club culture and um started really playing with like my hair and makeup because all of my drag queen friends were. And, and then, um, I, I, so I want I, I wanted, I was working in a lingerie store and I wanted, you know, to buy a corset. And I saw someone that had one on at one of these clubs. And I said, Oh my gosh, where did you get that? Then she goes, Oh, I'll tell you. And she writes down on a piece of paper. Cause that's what we had to do. You guys <laughs> Um, and I had to you know map out where this place was and I walk into this store and it's a fetish store and it's all like bondage equipment and like leather and latex and there's the rack of corsets and there's this guy working behind the counter who became a like lifetime friend of mine and I get fitted for my first course and I'm looking through these fetish magazines and I see Betty Page and I'm like whoa like is anybody doing this now and and he's like No, no, nobody's really doing that, like in the fetish world, you know? So I thought I'm gonna become the modern Betty Page and I'm gonna be on these magazines. So I started like where, you know, I, I dyed my hair black and I grew my hair long, you know, I had like a short haircut and then I grew it longer. And I became like a fetish model. I was like, I'm going to be the vintage style fetish model, and I was. And I was on the cover of all those magazines, um, the modern answer to Betty Page, and doing like the little like bondage videos. And then while I was like researching pinup, because then I kind of got, I was like, okay, well, pinup in general, and, and then I got very involved in like the swing dance scene in Los in Orange County in LA. Um, I know it's a lot. Like I was, fr- you know, grew up in Orange County later after I lived in Michigan and, um, I hung around all like everybody worked at Disneyland. If you lived in Orange County, like all the dancer people would work at Disneyland. So the whole swing dance craze began in the early nineties in Orange County. And I was part of that dressing in vintage driving old cars and that whole thing. So, um, then I'm posing for these bondage magazines and pinups. And while I'm researching pinup, I'm like, Oh, these girls were burlesque dancers too. Many of them, like they would do the burlesque houses. Like when I'm, I have a big collection of these vintage men's magazines from the thirties and forties. And, um, I thought I should do that too. So I go to a strip club and then I'm sort of like, you know, moonlighting while I'm working in the lingerie store at night, working at the, um, the strip club, the local strip club, which was really just like a bikini club. It wasn't topless or anything at that time. And I was, you know, it was like me wearing my corsets and bullet bras and doing feather fan dances. And it started there. Then I was started posing for playboy um, in the like mid nineties and, you know, making a name for myself as a, in a little pond as a, the only girl that was the pinup girl in Playboy, these newsstand specials. And then I started like building bigger shows and headlining strip clubs as like the girl that was on the cover of, you know, the, the, uh, men's magazines, Playboy, Leg Show, all these like fetish magazines. Um, and then in 2000, I met Catherine Delish. She's like my creative partner friend. Like we, we met and cause we were both headlining the strip club circuit, um, and we met and then everything like snowballed from there. We started like making bigger shows. She's like an incredible costumer um, and burlesque performer. She like, we we started doing a dueling martinis, champagne glasses together. So we started building like these bigger shows, like let's do something bigger. Um, and we kind of, you know, <laughs> I was on the cover of Playboy in 2002 and it's kind of like everything kind of snowballed from there. And I was starting to perform at bigger events, like for, you know, fashion brands, Louis Vuitton, Chopard, all of these like big fashion brands. And I was like a, you know, it girl in Paris for a while. So it kind of like the, just kind of, was one thing led to another, but like not an overnight success by any means, but yeah, the shows just got bigger and they still get bigger. Like when Catherine and I met, we just said like, let's, what can we do to make our shows more elaborate? What can we do to change the, change the way things are in burlesque? Let's go bigger. And every show would become, you know, more elaborate and decadent and, that's kind of how we arrived to where we are, and I couldn't have done it without her. <laughs> she really like pushed me, you know, to be to live up to any accolades I had in a magazine. She's like, "Yeah, you better, you better be good. Let's make something bigger and better." And you know, she worked with me on this um, show in
0: Las Vegas a little bit too. So, like, so you mom- were your own agent, and yeah, I had a. Fact. You guys were doing kind of all this yourself. Well, I had a
1: fax machine and a fake name in the '90s. Um, you know, <laughs> You're brilliant. But, this is amazing. Yeah, um and I had an agent. I had an agent that booked me like in strip clubs. Then I had a legitimate at- agent and manager from 2001 because I did this. You know, I did this show with the Pussycat Dolls that kind of made waves and. Um, I did my glass in it. And then they like went to a big agent and they left the producer and manager in the dust. And she, and she was, uh, I went to her and I was like, Hey, do you want to be my manager? And she's like, yeah. Cause all of the reviews singled out this girl in the glass. And, uh, so she was really like instrumental in my career, like this very motivated female manager. And we traveled around the world. Like I did shows thanks to her, you know, she's, She was really um, a powerful force in getting me to cross over into the mainstream. So that was like a really a big mouthful of like my
0: life in the last 30 years. (laughs) But that's amazing. And I'm just that you're creating your own shows. You're not like someone's not telling you what to do. This was your own creation of how you wanted it to be.
1: And a manager, when you get to that that point where you need extra
0: help but you guys yeah did that yeah i mean i'd say catherine
1: and i created all of these stripscapes i call them stripscapes <laughs> together you know like from the giant bird cages and the glasses and you know carousel horses and all and all of this stuff we created it together um she's always been my like person that we sit there and go what can we do next um so I definitely wouldn't say I did it alone, but like on the in in the entertainment world of how people do things, I don't I don't have like this big like team. Like certainly yeah. I have a team for the first time ever on this Vegas show, but it's definitely you know just my life's work put into one show and made a bit
0: bigger. Mm. I love all that, and if you're reading Miss Bluebell's book too, like we credit yeah. her for a lot of things, but like she was an amazing businesswoman. Hmm. You know, like there is like, usually like we can have the ideas, someone else in power gets to decide how or when or who. And I love these stories, like when women like create their way. And I want to lead into something you said before recorded of being accused by like that is not anti-feminism, but it is, there is an assumption as far as like dancers, strippers, burlesque, that it is, um going against women's empowerment. And I, I don't know if you want to speak to that because I, coming from you is going to make more sense than a lot of people speaking into this.
1: Um, yeah, you know, I've worked in strip clubs. I feel like working in strip clubs, you know, is, was very important to what I do now. Um, and making everything feel like second nature, like having that <laughs> going to strip clubs. So I, I, I think, you know, I, like I said, people flinging the word stripper at me, like it's an insult, like for me, I was always like, hey, look, I got this 1930s book here and it says stripper and it's
0: awesome,
1: (laughs) it's part of burlesque history, I'm not offended, even if that's your intention. Um, I've kind of always like downplayed a little bit what, what I do because I just like what I'm doing to speak for itself and I feel a little like, I don't need to tell people that I'm, you know, doing something special, but, I get the like, yeah, it always bothered me when people said it was anti-feminist because I'm like, you know, with anything, with anything, you can call it empowering or degrading. It's like, and I'm sure like there's that parallel in showgirls too. It's like, is it empowering to be able to do these fabulous shows and do what you love to do and wear these gorgeous costumes like yes is it degrading to somebody else who might not agree with it and doesn't think that there should be a topless show I mean it's just I think Mm -hmm. you really can't listen to all the noise and I think the when you think about feminism it's what it is today it's like really just respecting each other's choices, even if it's not for you, you know, like I, you know, what whatever it is, like, whether it's pornography or whatever, it's like, you have to like, as a, as a true feminist, you have to like, look at it and say, like, I respect your choice as a woman. And I don't, and I think we've, you know, we've come to the point where I don't think we have to say or apologize for, um, you know, being sensual and, sexy and, and indulging in that I you know it's a it's a very different time and I think I think a lot about like the women that came before me and how much easier they've made it for me and that goes for showgirls too like I when I listen to the stories um, on your podcast about showgirls from different eras and and how it's evolved I, I you know it's I, I really think about the people that came before me a lot
0: mm. whether they mm. were
1: Answers or showgirls or, you know, you know, all of those things.
0: Even just the word choice, like where you're choosing to do this. It's, it's and right if it. that empowers you and said, sort of like most of us don't choose to do something degrading. And I know for me being topless, it was such a huge thing. I had to overcome. There's a lot of tears and a okay. two day disownment from my family that said, you know, you're never going to marry. No one's going to marry you if you do this. And like, well, you're not our daughter. I mean, it, it was ugly for a few days. But I still chose it, and I also thought I might go to hell for doing <laughs> it because I was a conservative uh-huh. Christian. Yeah. But when I think back, it actually showed up in a therapy session. Was talking about this, waiting for my therapist to tell me I was bad. And he mm-hmm. goes, "Did you like it?" I, I started crying. And go, I loved it. There was something of feeling sensual and safe mm-hmm. because we could be topless and we were unattainable. You were like, "No, I can't have that." You can be, but it felt safe. You could go with that same group in a bar and have someone grab your ass and think they are entitled to that. Right. And so like, well, you know, on the stage you could, cause it's not, honestly, it's not that safe to feel sexy in normal life without drawing attention or harm. So I think it, for me, I'm realizing it felt empowered to get to explore that and to feel beautiful and not be told, told you're conceited or you're, you know, leading someone on or you're going to have to do this because you wore your jeans too tight, you know? So there's an empowerment I'm seeing retrospectively of how we got to be in our body and be beautiful and not like you never get to do that unless you're at home and your husband, right. <laughs> right. you know? So I think that the stereotype has changed, but being in the eighties and myself coming out of a conservative Christian world, it was like wrestling with it. But then oh, oh, this was part of my becoming a woman in a way that was celebrated. You're safe with other women on stage. You're not by your, you know, and I in burlesque too. Like there's gotta be some protection around the women. Yeah. Um, Even like in strip clubs, it's like a lot of people were there like working
1: their second job or go, putting themselves through school and like, and enjoying it because it was like generally a safe space. So it's like you always have that like, yeah, it, there and there's something, you know, I think it's, it's still risque to say that you might enjoy being uh, objectified for your bod, you know, like it's <laughs> a little bit like once you've got everything else, you know. And you're like, oh, God, I wouldn't mind being
0: uh, objective mm-hmm.
1: for my body for a minute. Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. This comments then and now at my, I'm 64 and, in a new relationship and have someone love my body. I'm like, wait, I'm yes, please tell me that again. And I will feel more comfortable in my body because, but it is it is interesting. Like, no, those are comments that we'd love to get now. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so we have to wrap it up in a few minutes. I know you're on a time thing. So I, I am going to come see the show. And I, we talked about maybe coming backstage and, and like having some photos of people that worked in the show. Yeah. So we, can you talk a little bit of what this means to you to see yeah. this come to this, the biggest stage and to get to have your dreams of all the beauty, all like Bob Mackie, Pete Manafi costumes. I mean, you're not, you're not doing the padded bras with sequins. You've got the best yeah. of the best. I know believe me I it's a pinch myself moment I never get tired
1: of it um and um yeah I mean I like I listen to a lot of your like especially the interviews with with uh Mr. Menifee and Mr. Mackey and so there's always things I'm listening to going okay oh no you can't no can't dance like that in those you know like I I feel like I I have to like watch everything you know Mm. Um, because I want to, there's things that I want to stay true to, but then there's also things that, you know, I go, okay, no, I know we're going to break some showgirl rules. We're going to roll a shoulder now and then we're going to like shake it a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to do a strip tease with my showgirl bra. I, I think like it's, I need to have like a perspective. Um, but so there's, it's a, the show is a combination of, you know, my, my world and a reverence for jubilee and showgirls and you you know having the the costumes come on stage in a new way than they have been before um but you know i'm also very careful not to like over over in my opinion overstep um but yeah it's like an evolution and i hope people will enjoy it and i feel like if anything you know if maybe this could open the door somehow to another showgirl review. So for all, for anyone who's like, she shouldn't be doing that. Like, Hey, listen, this might be the thing that might get us another like Mm -hmm. biggest showgirl review the way, the way that it used to be. Well, I mean, hopefully a few of those things will be thrown in the trash, like weighing people in and, (laughs) you know, but um. I think, uh, you know, maybe it could it could open up the doors for more of this sort of thing. I'm already hearing a little bit in Vegas, like amongst the Vegas show, like people are really talking about our show and um, and some of the other sexy shows are like already like, oh, maybe we should be a little bit more inclusive too. Or maybe we, you know, so I, I like that I'm hearing that, although it's not easy because there's some people that, you know, are like, oh, you, you shouldn't be having bigger girls on stage or right. And I'm like, <laughs> You know, like I, I I know that I'm I'm up against a Vegas, um, a Vegas audience, which has all the, the sexy show means something different than it does to me. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's honestly every time, you know, I'm, I'm writing the disc down, which took a lot to overcome. And when I was (laughs) listening to one of your podcasts about the girl who had the cable snap, I think about her all the time. (laughs) I don't remember who it was, but I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I'm going to die up there. Um, No, uh, every time I come down from that disc and like everything starts, I'm like, I can't believe this is my show. Like I've had to definitely fight back tears a few times
0: um, that this is like, this is happening, you know, this is happening. That's amazing. And I, and I want people to go see it because I think for some people that wore those costumes to see them on the stage, dancing will bring up a lot to see that stage being utilized for, I mean, they've they've tried all things in there. It's it's too big to just have motorcycles and dancers and tennis shoes. Like it's such a big, beautiful theater. So I feel like there's like this revival of the stage and the costumes and the showgirl. And like you said, you could bring up because you are doing it with respect and reverence to this, you know, like love that you got vintage and nostalgia because the showgirl goes way back, but she should also be moving forward. And if that time is done for the showgirl, then yes, let her go into burlesque or something else where there's still an essence of it. Mm-hmm. That's done with such respect. Like I really appreciate that you've been listening and you oh, yeah. you didn't just put the costumes on and go, huh, no. I wonder who and are these. Did,
1: like- even I said to like the head of wardrobe, cause you know, everybody's names are in all those costumes. So I said, do not take out those names. If you want to put our names next to it, that's fine, but do not take out those names of who wore it last. It's like, it, I don't know. There was something about things like that are important yeah. to me. And, um, you know, I just, yeah, I have such a big respect for that show. And, and it was, like I said, my favorite show in Las Vegas. Um, I, yeah, I would, I, I, oh, and I was going to say some of the props are being repurposed because they've started, um, they had to start destroying things. Okay. Like, and I came in there and I was like, whoa, you can't put this in the trash. Um, so there's things like that, that I've done and they were chopping up the showgirl stairs and we had to rebuild part of it so that I could have that like staircase moment. But I just, that was happening before I came in just for the record. And I did put a stop to some of it. Um, and then there, of course, you know, but a lot of those things can't, they were built in there and they, there's no way to get them out of there. Um, and they're like every show, even like when I went to Folly Berger, yes, some of the showgirl horses that the girls rode are there in the basement, but not all of it. And, um, you know, everything has to evolve and change and we've repurposed some of the things that were going to be destroyed or had already been partially destroyed. The icebergs are safe. (laughs) <laughs> i wanted so badly i was like can i put one of the icebergs like cruising across the stage oh super the theme and be like ladies and gentlemen original cast member the iceberg you know, oh my gosh yes only like 10 of us would get it but i still <laughs> would like to do it um yeah it's it's um yeah it's been an interesting thing and i i won't get over the day that they i heard them like Chainsawing the stairs.
0: But yeah. you said showgirl stairs. That is such an iconic. I mean, especially the, only the big theaters could house those big staircases, which are terrifying to walk down at first, and then it's glorious. Uh-huh. Oh, um, so the this way,
1: show. I, oh, sorry. I, I was gonna say um Sarah Sutter came in to give me yeah. a lesson to walk down the stairs because I was really like, you know, I was trying to walk down the stairs, like, you know, and I was like, God, oh, why is it so hard? And she came and gave me a lesson that changed my life. And I was like, Oh my God. Um, but I also have to say every single show girl that has come to see the show and I've talked to afterwards, they all have a story about falling up or down or both <laughs> the stairs. And I'm like, oh my God, when's it going to happen? <laughs> I'm like, I can't imagine how it is to fall down or up the stairs with
0: one of the backpacks on. Um, yeah. Yeah, if there's- <laughs> you're taking on a very brave venture. So the show is, are you in a little bit of a break Was it January you had a little, and then it comes back. Like if people want to see the show, like, what is like, when are you back and how like getting tickets? We're back February 15th
1: and I'm there like select Thursday, Friday, Saturdays. Um, We're just mapping out the rest of the year. Now we might add an extra day and um, yeah. So it starts at nine o'clock and um, yeah, I hope people will come and see. I would love to meet former Jubilee and um, hello, Hollywood. Hello, yeah. hallelujah, Hollywood uh, dancers. God, I have so much more. I have so many like questions. Like I have so many questions because like I've been in there so deep and even like in the, um, the, the, what's left from the um, uh,
0: Hallelujah Hollywood too, up in the round. Oh, that's right. Oh my gosh. Well, my thing, I want to, I'm going to come down. I'm trying to I'm get my ticket. I think April 12th for the opening of follies, which is the Broadway show about the theater coming down where the showgirl ghosts are there they've never performed it in vegas and so this is a big deal and there's one it's the first african-american showgirl who's 97 who's in the show so i'm going to do an interview with her so um, my hope is to see your show and that show and just celebrate and then get a bunch of, of the dancers that were in these shows great. jubilee to come together get dressed up and celebrate that you're doing this and be the loudest ones in the audience. And then get, maybe, you know, we could do some backstage stuff. I even talked about doing a showgirl workshop because I do a whole thing on the essence of it, not just putting on the costumes, like drawing out that essence of not your alter ego. It's a part of you that loves to shine. And you're such a great representation of that. Like you are so classy. And so, I mean, I've been watching your pictures come up and like you are holding your own in those, giant costumes on that huge stage. You own that stage. Missy.
1: I'm, a, I'm a only five foot tall, barely. And I'm just like, I will do this, you know, but like some of the, any of the tips that I've get, gotten from the former Jubilee girls have been so helpful and things that you, you know, cause I, 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 and I would love to have, you know, more help from them. Like, I love it. I love learning. I, i you know, I love being coached by, by showgirls, um, you know, like Crazy yeah. like I did with Crazy Horse. I, I love that. I love learning more and, um,
0: you know, and from people that I admire, And of course. Maybe That's- we get a big bunch of dancers on the stage and we do a workshop class oh. together and just celebrate. We're still here. Whatever mm-hmm. is happening with the shows, we're still here. The glamour lives on. And we're, I want to bless you how weird that sounds take that ball and run with it because you're doing such a beautiful job and you're you're just like bringing the stories back up by people even experiencing that kind of show again
1: yeah yeah there's people because there's are, are so many people that will never get to see that show and they know yeah. that they, they, there's and i realize my show is not that show but it's like the glimpse of you know a, a little bit, those costumes like let's get real like the costumes are <laughs> and just the extravagance and decadence. There'll never be another show like that. You know, I was even talking to, um, you know, a lot of my feathers came from Maison Fevrier, which is where all Mm -hmm. of those feathers came from. And I was even chatting with them. I go, do you have any documentation or anything from like the Jubilee feathers? And they said no. And, you know, even if you had millions and millions and millions of dollars, you couldn't even make costumes like that today.
0: Yeah, that's in a
1: decisional way. Those feathers don't exist the same way anymore. uh, It would be very difficult. You'd have to be like Jeff Bezos wants to put on a showgirl
0: review. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, let's ask him. You I mean, asked for the, like, the other eight. thing, you got it. So, like, you know what? It doesn't hurt to ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to let do. you go on to your okay. next interview, and I feel so honored to get to sit across from you in your beautiful background with your cat, and it's like it looks vintage. <laughs> like even <laughs> just on the Zoom, I'm like, I feel like I'm getting a taste of what brought you to this place. Uh, so well, I will be there, and I will be the loudest one. I promise. Unless you don't want that unless you want a very I calm, to, sedate. Yeah, no, I would like No, no, no. Calm sedate. Um, I would
1: love, yeah. And I'd love to chat with you more, like even off, off. Um, Absolutely. Off camera.
0: Like I just, I always have so many questions. Let's do that. I mean, <laughs> we could even do a panel and that'd be kind of an interesting like question. And yeah. Cause I think if we stop thinking we need to learn, we we're, we've done a disservice to our art. So yep. always more. Okay. Best to you. I will sure. see you in April and hopefully yeah, I will I find wait. out when I get your tickets. And thank you, Kelly, for setting. Oh this my up. gosh,
1: Sherry. That was so great. Thanks so much. And I mean, I know you guys have each other's info, but
0: if you need anything from me or to connect or whatever, uh, let us know. Cause this was, okay. this was great. Thank you so is there, much. Is there any way, would it be okay to do a screenshot? Tell me the honest truth. Okay. Just to say, I did it today yeah. and then say, stay tuned and we'll do more.
1: Yeah.
0: Would that be okay? yeah just to get a point like hey I finally got this interview stay tuned it's coming and I think I will have yours come out uh not this Thursday but next Thursday because then I'm doing the Follies one kind of a lead-up so they go together of this revival in Vegas around Mm -hmm. the showgirls so I kind of want to do this as a whole thing to get people going we're still here damn it the showgirls on the strip with their booties out Mm -hmm. not in the right kind of shorts with their (laughs) tennis shoes on we're like that no we're going to reclaim this bring back bring back the vintage bring back the glamour Thank you so much. And let's stay in touch. I would love to, um, I would love to keep this going. Thanks, Sherry. Thank you.